0: Hey gang, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodling Company. It's a podcast about music and web three and trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm McKeegan Boyce. Today I spoke with Sherry Hu. who is an award-winning journalist and the founder of Water and Music. She's a collaborative research community that focuses on the intersection of music and tech. Sherry is one of those rare humans who is extremely intelligent, curious about the world, has a strong ethical foundation, and a very low ego. And we chatted about all kinds of things, from playing piano to almost taking the conservatory route to thinking laterally, to on-chain music, to AI, the catchphrase for the whole thing. I've never seen egg rolls go so hard. (laughs) And that will make sense after you listen, trust me. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation. Here we go. Hey, Sherry, it's great to have you here.
1: Yeah, great, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, as with all of these, I always like to start at the beginning and just hear a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and, and, you know, when your relationship with music started.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm Sherry. (laughs) I uh, currently uh, spend most of my time as a music and tech writer and researcher and editor. Um, I run a newsletter and research network and community called Water and Music. Uh, We focus on analyzing um, emerging tech trends in in the music industry and just how tech innovation in general will impact um, the business of music. In terms of my relationship with music, it started very young. Um, I started taking piano lessons when I was five, uh, mainly only because my older sister was also taking lessons. My parents were like, oh, let's see. Let's see uh, what happens with uh, child number two, but uh, instantly, like uh, I guess instantly fell in love with it. And so classical piano ended up um, taking up a big part of my life early on. Like I was on the conservatory path, did conservatory prep um, and all that. So that, that part is still very near and dear to me. Um, I only really learned about the music industry when I was a sophomore in college, so that part of my relationship to music. Um, definitely came later and uh, but I like still like play piano in school I was um, in a choir for a few years um, and I just started learning how to DJ so that's a a new (laughs) a new chapter in the sherry musical saga so yeah I I, I try to keep a very close connection to like the creative side but uh, yeah I guess professionally it's like mostly on the industry side right now
0: cool I'd love to come back to the DJ thing at some point, and and also talk about you know like the Elf Tech, the new song that you came out with, you know using Grimes as the Elf Tech. We'll get there. But I want to come back to you playing the piano and and talking a little bit about you being on the conservatory route because I remember the first time that that we spoke, that was you know a really interesting story, and in, in how like your your mind was made up to pursue that path, and so I, and and correct me if i'm wrong but you you had an advisor or perhaps your piano teacher was actually the one who deterred you you know from following through and doing like a dual program um so I'd, I'd, i'd love to hear just a little bit more about like you know that journey and what what it felt like to transition away from this like very clear life path down this road to to something else
1: Yes, um, I think about that moment a lot, so hmm. I guess just to like sum up um, what happened. Um, so I started conservatory prep in um, middle school, so in sixth grade, this was like um, oh gosh, like 2007 two thousand six, 2007, through the end of high school. Um, throughout high school, for most summers, I would do like summer kind of conservatory or classical study programs. Um, I spent two years. Um, at this really, really great music festival called Aspen Music Festival in school. So they like you can go and be part of an orchestra or study an instrument and then just um, have access to the, these amazing concerts to kind of explore that part of Colorado. It was amazing, like pure bliss from my perspective. <laughs> and so I walk into um, a uh, piano lesson one day and I kind of like lay this all out for my uh, teacher being like, oh, I love I love the experience of uh, like being in Aspen, like living with so many other uh, musicians and kind of like being solely focused on that. Um, Like maybe, uh, so like, you know, maybe I kind of want to go through the uh, audition process and like try going to a conservatory. But I was also like very, very academically driven at the time, like I, and I was super into math specifically. So I was thinking Mm -hmm. of doing like a math music double major Mm-hmm. Um, and my teacher's response was, I think. Uh, so 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 thinking back, I guess going through the conservatory prep um, experience, of those summer experiences, you're unless you're, I, I guess unless someone proactively tells you about it, you're you're not open to like the realities of being a working musician mm-hmm. in like the industry. <laughs> I think it's yeah. like intentionally like the the curriculum. In a conservatory prep program, or like the way a summer program like that is 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 structured is to like almost be kind of an escape or mm. to be like, oh this this is like a bounded period of time and a bounded mm. place where you can just focus on one thing, like maybe like a similar to like a residency experience or something so so yeah my 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 teacher's response was like the first I think the first time that I was directly communicated too about like the the realities of being in the industry and she's mm-hmm. like and the first thing she said was um like aspen is not reality like mm-hmm. don't yeah. don't base your decision <laughs> to go into music off of your experience with that that festival mm-hmm. um and i guess she it was a very like i guess like parental thing to say like not not in a i don't think in a condescending way or anything but but she like saw that i had other interests hmm And with math specifically, I, um, the way she also said it, which I, in hindsight, I think is true, is that it's like much more difficult to go back to something like studying math, like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like 20 years from now, if you're like super into, especially like theoretical levels of, of math or, or stats, which I ended up majoring in, it's like, um, like, while while you're young and, like, your brain is, like, relatively more fresh, <laughs> that's probably the right time to go into it. Whereas, like, music can be, like, a lifelong um, pursuit. And, like, there's so many stories of people, like, going, like, uh, you know, much later in life kind of embracing a career in music and, mm-hmm. um, like, really succeeding at that. So, yeah, it so was really, I was, like, so taken aback at the time. But um, in a way, I'm definitely, like equally if not more fully involved in music in like my day to day than I maybe would have expected. So it all worked out. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was just a, it's, and it's, it's very rare to get that level of, um, like kind of candor and honesty from someone, especially who's like, so like creatively close to you in in that relationship in like a teacher student relationship. So definitely appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, um, you know, you mentioned that, that you think about this moment a lot and of of course, like, you know, since then you have been, you're pretty entrenched in the music industry. Like you, you understand, you know, it's inner machinations pretty well, more than like almost anybody else in the world. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if, if what the context of you thinking about that moment you know feels like where are are you constantly like yeah she was right i'm so glad i didn't do that or or is there still room for you like okay now i i understand what this is i understand the reality but yet still i could foresee at some point in the future pursuing a career where i am perhaps more more in the performance or like more more in the artistry side than you currently are hmm
1: I so for for like a few years after that I definitely um had like the the immediate cultural references everything everywhere all at once like that that kind of yeah. that being like the default way of thinking where you're thinking mm-hmm. about all these alternative paths you could have taken totally. for yeah. sure I had had a lot of that um thinking about like what if uh yeah I decided to pursue uh piano kind of full time um that said I I do think it really helped to like I guess to intentionally study other fields outside of music and and in terms of like how I the way that I write now and the way that I think about the world uh and, and the music industry now um I realized I am a very lateral thinker and mm-hmm. that like um I get a lot of like curiosity and energy and and excitement out of like trying to connect uh ideas or, or industries or concepts that like m- people might not otherwise think to connect. But I, I do think a lot of just like insight and, and learnings and progress can be made through that kind of thinking as opposed to like just being um, like kind of like n- nose to the grindstone, just like, like hyper, hyper focused on just one area. So uh, yeah, and, like kind of go- going through a quote unquote traditional college experience education, I think really helped with that especially with with like a math and stats background um and even just that very high level um training and like thinking quantitatively like always questioning any assumptions that are that are put out there um especially ones that that might be backed by data but that you know just 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 like like constantly kind of um digging and inquiring further um so that that kind of like training also uh uh definitely helped and i think uh, has helped shape this very uh, specific perspective that I have now on, on the music industry. So, uh, yeah, so I, and, uh, there, there's a really good graphic online somewhere that maps out like, uh, how, like, you know, you're a lot of people when they reach their, um, their like thirties or something, they, they, they think their future is set, you know, there's no like path left, but actually like they're, tens of more like kind of branches that could happen. I mentioned that to say I'm not like fully, I have definitely not fully discounted like the possibility of like, oh, maybe I could do music full time. And and I definitely have I definitely have the knowledge to be able to try. But um, I, I kind of like being in the position I am in now of um, like having a more bird's eye view on, on what's happening in the industry and also being able to like play that role for people, like helping people, um, who might not otherwise have time to like, kind of synthesize everything that's happening in their in their field.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. Um, well, well, I'm grateful that that you were in that position as well because you have have provided a ton of value to, I mean, to a lot of people, but but also to myself. Um, you know, and all the writing and reporting and that that I do, in the ways that that I think you know about music and the music industry as well. So I I am grateful that that you're in this position. But I thank also, you, of <laughs> course, but I also think it's cool that you're leaving space, potentially for, you know, some, some later career pivot toward becoming a rock star. <laughs> um, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, about the moment, because when, we, you know, when I first encountered your writing, it was like early water and music days, like where, you know, where water and music was, was kind of the name of. You know of your project of, of of kind of the umbrella through which you were publishing material, um, and you know, talk about the moment where you decided to kind of transition um, from you know, like more of a one directional subscription model where people were consuming your your content to uh, you know a more bi directional community um, that that you know has since flourished. But I'm I'm, I'm curious to hear about that moment. You know of transition and why you decided to you know kind of open up and go in that direction.
1: Yeah, there were a few different factors. Um I guess what's what's interesting to reflect on with Water Music is that um I would say most of its growth actually happened over the pandemic. Hmm. So uh, yeah I would say like late 2020 um i also like only started working on it full-time in 2020 i kind of juggled it with freelancing for a year Mm -hmm. but then went in full-time 2020 um timing was definitely really crazy with the pandemic um but it was also was a time that yeah i guess everyone was spending so much time online and were also interested in like better understanding try to dig into like what that means for music of like Just all this, like all the experience around music, kind of being shoved into like a screen. Like, how do we even like make sense of that? So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was a lot of the theme for 2020, and then through end of 2021, which is also when we started experimenting with this like collaborative research model and like kind of like formalizing that um, and like the much more community-driven engine behind everything we do at Water and Music. Um, The so COVID obviously uh, still exists. But mm-hmm. in terms of lifestyle, um, it's completely changed. I think for for a lot of people, and especially for the music industry, um, like live shows have very much returned. Um, from what we saw in our community, people were not spending uh their time twenty four seven on Discord. You know, mm-hmm. they wanted to go touch grass, yeah. <laughs> like actually <laughs> hang out with and see people. <laughs> yeah. In, totally. it makes um sense. Yeah, yeah, in, in real life. So on the community side, that triggered a more intentional investment in IRL events, like just ranging from, I and mean, we kind of built that iteratively, iteratively over time, still iterating on it, but kind of starting with like intentional meetups, like around conferences um, mm-hmm. and like intentionally scheduling that up all the way up to our, our very own conference that we did um, in May of this year.
0: Which was great. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
0: um.
1: <laughs> So that's on the community side. And then on the uh, kind of data side, so another thing that we started uh, piloting was what we called the Water Music Academy. So these Mm -hmm. are these kind of like paid, much more focused educational experiences, um, diving into a specific topic in in music and tech in a way that was much more like hands-on and actionable and case study um, driven. And we we launched that, Just also like, I guess, being mindful of our audience and how they were um, trying to use a lot of the information we were producing. Like, we would produce these reports um, with tons of data, and we would try to like give suggestions on like things you could explore in your career or in whatever projects you had to like try to put this to good use. Um, But there was still a gap in terms of people like I guess actually like in terms of I guess making that. Information as actionable as possible, mm-hmm. like beyond beyond just sitting in an article, right so we're thinking, oh, like why don't we like pr- why don't we make these dedicated spaces to um, to like close that gap for people and actually like get more hands on with the findings from our research? And so that we have the um yeah, so the academy has been uh, a really good place for that, and a lot of how we're thinking about future events is very much built around that as well like we're we're sitting on a ton of research and case studies around, um, music and tech, how can we actually help people like apply and translate that
0: directly to, to their work? Mm -hmm. Cool. No, I appreciate that. Um, I think it's such an important gap to fill, um, from kind of the theoretical, what is the data telling us to like, okay, how do we, you know, as you said, how do we make this actionable? I think the, you know, the collaborative nature that, that, that you've been able to, to cultivate and sustain is, you know, really incredible. and I know back, you know, during the pandemic or soon after, um, you know, you decided to to go the DAO route to you know become a decentralized autonomous organization. You, you know, you went through Seed Club, and um, you know created the Stream token. And I, you know, I've noticed that 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 has kind of disappeared, you know, recently from your branding and you know from your identity. And I, I'm curious to hear, you know, why and like, you know, what the evolution of of that identity was going into it. Then, you know, what's happened since.
1: uh oh yes, this would be a whole hour conversation. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe will be. Um, yes. So we, uh, I guess. So so going into um, the C Club cohort, we were a part of, which uh, was fall 2021. Um, I had done, so I, I knew I really wanted to, um, I knew I really wanted to experiment with collaborative research as a way of like showing people, especially in music, which is a very, uh, historically kind of siloed, uh, industry in terms of information sharing or knowledge sharing, like what could be possible if we approach things more collaboratively and doing research on like the most interesting or effective tech tasks to make that happen. Everything just kept pointing back to um to tokens uh tokens or like i guess blockchain in general like be, mm-hmm. being able to like showcase your contribution history across a wide range of of projects in like a a verifiable like decentralized sure. way and transparent way. everything just kept pointing back to blockchain, so that was a huge um motivating factor to like go through c club is like just like really nailing what the infrastructure looks like mm-hmm. um we and and I think the, the DAO landscape as a whole is is still reckoning in real time with um how like I guess everyone in in that space use the word Dao to describe like a, actually ten plus like very, very different kinds of mm. organizations mm. um. And yeah, I guess like, and our my learning experience and water music learning experience was kind of um was in a few different phases. So like we uh we produced season one in only like uh uh eight weeks. It was like a complete whirlwind. Hmm. People just like, uh how do I get a Discord server being like, how do we do this thing? Like, <laughs> what is collaborative research? No one knows. <laughs> yeah. But like let's make these threads in Discord and like see what comes out. And it was like such an amazing, um, kind of first experiment where, um, I think like every, every step was, um, every step was, was actually quite open and decentralized in its own way. And we kind of had that ambition of like, um, from like idea generation to research, to editing and then like kind of design that being like totally open. Um, I think what we found over time was that, um, like fully decentralizing every aspect of how an organization runs, especially if you're trying to like grow it and sustain it to a certain level and like maintain a certain level of quality is, um, is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And so how like, I guess subsequent seasons changed is that we ended up um, like uh, opening up uh, only certain parts of the research process to be more community driven. So like, we would always start, for example, we, we'd always start every um, research season with like an open brainstorming session where like dozens of people in the community would come in and like um, suggest ideas uh, to research in a given topic and like try mm-hmm. to make their case for like why a certain avenue was important to explore for this season around AI, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've done like a wide range of interviews for every season. And like recommending people to interview or even like conducting those interviews as long as you have the right kind of like training and onboarding, we open that up to a lot more people. Um, in contrast, having 20 people in a Google Doc really doesn't work. <laughs> and just to be like very candid about that, I'm very yeah. open to uh like to counter opinions from anyone listening. <laughs> like if you've found a way to make it work. But from like an editor's perspective, um, Especially just like like I guess with with the reality that a lot of people um who who may be collaborating like they have their own voice, their way own way of speaking, maybe their own agendas coming in, and like mm-hmm. from an editing perspective, managing that, um we found like the the sweet spot or like the maximum is having um maybe five people on a doc. but like mm-hmm. even then that's it's it's still like a much it's a much tougher editing job to go through that than totally. if it's just like one to two people writing, which mm-hmm. is, which is, yeah, I I'd like to believe there's a future tech solution that that makes it easier to like synthesize multiple people's voices into something that feels more cohesive, but um, that, so like that, that process. And then we found with, especially cause I guess water music had been around for a few years and like developed its own specific voice before going into this collaborative research mode, um, it felt difficult to decentralize um, marketing fully, which, Mm. so that's actually something that like, goes against a hypothesis I initially had, I think looking at something like nouns, which like, I think the main difference is that from the very beginning, they were like, our only goal is to spread the meme. And like, Mm -hmm. you just do that. (laughs) You can do that however, which way you want. Um, and that is like very well suited for fully decentralized kind of marketing for water music, not so much Right. to wrap up this very long answer. So, uh, I think what, so the, the stream token still exists and we have, so we have a series of events coming up. We have a new academy coming up where people could still like submit their wallet and get streamed. Like that's, um, as as like the on-chain crediting layer, um, Uh, to signify that you've contributed to the water music like network of projects or to the community at large it still plays a function Um, but in terms of decision making um, based on the kind of work that we do we found that like fully decentralizing it or even partially decentralizing it only works certain like steps or certain parts of the org and then um, honestly a big part for legal reasons there have been a lot of like Legal issues around DAOs, at least in the U.S, to the point where um, it I don't think it makes sense for us to like really, really lead into um, like, y- using tokens as a form of like fundraising, for example. I know a lot mm-hmm. of DAOs like looked into that initially, but we're kind of holding off on that for now. So it's more kind of like back-end contribution tracking and crediting, um, and like using blockchain as just one tech tool in a wider suite of tools at our disposal
0: right it yeah. makes sense it makes sense i don't i think a lot of people try to pigeonhole themselves into we're a web two company we're a web three company or like we're you know we're a web 2.5 company for people who haven't quite quite decided but like um I, yeah I've, I've always you know felt that to be a little problematic when people can't uh when people just try to lean into web three, like only use the blockchain even when it doesn't necessarily fit their purpose, or or provide the best solution to what you know what their intention is with whatever the project or product is. um So yeah, that makes sense. I'm 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 curious from like um you know from like a structural perspective. You know, thinking about the DAO, of course that that also exists in you know, kind of on a spectrum. Like decentralization is a spectrum. Autonomy is, I mean, kind of a spectrum. I guess. <laughs> I mean, autonomy is like. You you could talk about the pure definition of these things, but they all like in in practice actually you know exist on spectrums. Organization also exists exists you know on a spectrum. You know because of that, that can be inclusive of so many different types of entities and different you know different ventures. And you know of course part of that is you know it comes to that is is like corporate governance and and how that works. But but also um, there's been a really interesting tension, I think uh with how a lot of specifically you know web3 projects have you know have been financed and one of the things i love about water music is that that you've stayed away from venture capital um and i i I think the first time we connected you you know you mentioned that it just wasn't a model that that you were interested in um even though you you know you know people or you know, the reason that people take venture capital is because you know it makes things easier provides you with you know with a lot of resources um you know especially in the short term that you couldn't get otherwise and i would love to just you know dive into that a little bit like as a collaborative structure that isn't necessarily a dao but is still like you know very committed to being collaborative to to hear like your your thoughts your perspectives and like why that isn't an interesting model for you um and and kind of your vision you know for you know for the financial structure or economic structure you know of water and music in general to you know to as much as you can talk about it
1: yeah um the in general the vc financing model is certainly interesting and um every day there's like a new project that sounds completely ridiculous that announces (laughs) like 50 million dollars in funding and I <laughs> and I read it and I'm like what are we doing <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. again like everything I've heard all at once just like mm-hmm. life flashes before your eyes mm-hmm. but um yeah it's definitely not and yeah the only instance where I've like considered it slightly is is in situations where we've tried to put out like prototypes of tech products for example we um around season 1.5, so like our second web two, sorry, second web three report. Um, we put out a a contract template around like music NFTs and that ended up being like the longest running. Um, we ended up like maintaining and updating that for over six months, so, so for quite a while. Um, but to like, to really grow something like that, especially thinking about like bringing on engineers and like incentivizing them properly, I think there's an argument to be made um, that you need um just just a lot more capital. And I guess VC is the first thing that comes to mind. So yeah, we, we've thought about it in that context, but in terms of in terms of our mission, which I always go back to um when evaluating any business decision, which we also like voted on as a community um last year, of making the music industry more innovative, cooperative, and transparent. And I think um uh, I think that yeah, the the part of about cooperation is is the really key word here. Also, transparency in terms of evaluating um, what funding models to use. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually I had a conversation with a VC uh, earlier this year where they they explicitly said that they like they needed information silos to like do their job well like they wow. they they needed like first access to in in the sense of like first access to information that no one else had and like that is mm. like a huge part of what drives a good investment which which I totally understand and then mm-hmm. the minute i heard that i was like okay yeah that's not yeah i can't this 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 is not going to fly yeah. obviously we we have like we we gate information to like water and music but like we have a paid membership so like there's still obviously like some kind of filter but mm-hmm. um I'd like to think it's a lot more affordable than like traditional market research where like that's a matter of getting it behind like tens of thousands of dollars, you know, of like payment. So we're trying to work towards making it more open and accessible. Um, And uh, yeah, I think just, just the, yeah. So not, not just the growth incentives, um, but also, yeah, just that mindset around information and knowledge sharing that comes with entering the VC world just isn't the best fit, I think, for us right now. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, especially for like our mission of just like trying trying to incentivize more people to share more information with each other. I think it just needs other rails. Um in relation to that, we haven't, we haven't officially implemented this, but we've looked very, very seriously and for a while into a co-op structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of um businesses I admire that are structured as co-ops. I would say in media, um, one example is uh, Defector Media, mm-hmm. and they have no, to my knowledge, I don't think they have any Web three business interests. Uh, they are just a collective of writers who cover sports, kind of a spinoff of Deadspin. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they make and and there's there's a sense of like, uh, actually in 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 their latest annual report, I think they compared or in recent profile of Defector, one of their founding members compared it to uh, like running a very successful um, neighborhood bar. Like if you, (laughs) if, if, if you think about like the, the business incentives behind a neighborhood bar, it's to, or like, like what the goal is it's to like, you know, foster community and obviously to like make enough money to just, keep doing cool stuff and providing this cool experience to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. There's no sense of, um, there's no sense of wanting to get to like McDonald's level of franchising or just like, (laughs) like growing super quickly. It's just providing this very niche experience. Um, So reading that really resonated with me. I think um, water music, even though like there certainly is more room for growth, I think, or like kind of expansion of what we do um, across music and outside of music. Um, that's that's kind of the especially because we are so community driven. That's kind of the vibe I want to keep like fostering too. Within like, it's like we're here to like, hopefully, water music can be like the cool hipster bar where people in the music industry <laughs> go
0: <laughs>
1: to like, uh, chat and hopefully not gossip too much, but maybe gossip a little bit <laughs> about like what's happening in the industry, especially in tech. Um, and and kind of like grow thoughtfully with that ethos in mind
0: yeah yeah I love that I love that and and I think it's you know it's a really healthy mindset to to have um you know and a lot of the writing I've been doing recently is is just uh you know about this idea of scale and and how like a lot of the platforms that we that we that we that we rely upon you know to interact in digital spaces are Kind of scale at all costs, um, which which comes at at the expense of any sort of uh, you know neighborhood bar kind of aesthetic, where where you can like really think locally and you can uh, you know cultivate intimacy with people and and you know truly create connective spaces, um, and and I think that the, that is one, one of the more more exciting things about about reimagining the internet in, in in this this you know kind of decentralized place and there's you know perhaps you know you probably know there's this um uh this this initiative for a uh, digital public infrastructure at out of uh, umass amherst that that has been talking you, you know about this about like you know the three-legged stool is is kind of what they're calling the approach and organizing around like VSOPs, very small online platforms are very, or a very specific online platforms. I think they use both and it, it just feels like such a healthier, you know, it feels like such a healthier alternative and, you know, it feels akin to what you're building and, and kind of what your vision and what your ethos is. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on, on the viability and real, you know, you know, how pragmatic of, of like, is is that utopian thinking that we can somehow subvert these, you know, trillion dollar interests of, you know, these like, huge, huge tech companies, to create, you know, a more local version of, you know, of the internet filled with cool neighborhood bars, and, you know, little libraries and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> Ooh. yeah, I think those. At least, so I'm thinking on the timeline of like five to 10 years, mm-hmm. next five to 10 years. Certainly those like large trillion dollar companies will not go away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're, uh, yeah, they've just, I mean, just thinking like with with Meta, for example, as a company, they like command, command is maybe a strong word, but they they reach like probably at this point around a quarter to a third of like the world population. So they're just, (laughs) their, their reach is just so, so vast. Mm -hmm. Um, and for better or for worse, they do play like a very important role in terms of delivering information to people. So I don't think that will go away. Mm -hmm. That said, uh, to go with meta actually as, as another example, I remember a few years ago, I was seeing billboards everywhere about, um, Facebook specifically, really trying to lean into like communities or groups. Like that was mm-hmm. like the only thing being advertised. Right. right like right. like join join your group, find your find your crew, find your tribe. Um, Facebook is the place to do it. And like Facebook groups definitely still exist, but mm-hmm. I like the only thing that I've heard from like community moderators is complaints about how mm-hmm. how like how Facebook groups are structured, like what the main features are. And and that's very telling to me because like if you're a platform that's that large and that generalist, like naturally things are going to fall through the cracks when you're trying to build those mm-hmm. very specific community experiences because you're trying to cast as, as wide of a net as possible. So I think there. Um, and then also when when you consider uh, social apps like TikTok and the impact that um, they've had on people being able to, like, find like-minded groups of people who have, like, the most bizarre combination of interests. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always say... Or, okay, I'll just pull this example out of thin air. Like, if you're a hyper-pop artist who um, loves waffles, like, if that's your thing <laughs> and, like, that's your shtick, like, you will you will find an audience. Like, like yeah. nothing in, in the TikTok era of like these algorithms, mm-hmm. like, um, working and being engineered in a very smart way to like, make sure whatever, um, whatever you create is reaching the right people. Like that is right. like, n- nothing is too niche or bizarre. This whole, um, like, uh, pinky doll phenomenon of like MPC TikTok, I think is like prime example, although that actually is maybe a bigger trend than some people may assume, but, mm. um, so yeah, so 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 nothing is too niche or specific, um, to the point where there is not only is there an opportunity to, like, build very specific like experience, community experience around like a very specific taste or point of view, but increasingly, um, I think people are, uh, in a very noisy world, people are seeking that specificity, and mm. and it's not, and from like a community building perspective that's not, um, it's not a weakness to be specific. It's actually a strength where like totally. people can go to you and be like, I know I'm going to get this perspective. I'm not going to get this, you know, this space is for these kinds of, um, or like for people with these interests, not for people who are not interested in X, Y, Z. So um, yeah, so so I think there's there's the, oppor- the the opportunity for like kind of niche community experiences is, is very much there, mm-hmm. I, but, yeah, I'm still on the fence about like whether that will be like the default mode, against the backdrop of these like mega big tech companies, which like are still gonna be around, but um, like the niche experience is not gonna be their strength.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like there's a world where you know TikTok, you know, for instance, becomes like the discovery layer, and then there's a set of of kind of world building tools that. That become traditional like maybe maybe not like you know like a discord, which is still which is like maybe what what a lot of people are using now to cultivate these very you know niche kind of you know, i guess communities but but it's, it's' still it's still a generalist platform that only has you know so much customization um opportunities like do you do you see that as a viable future in which um yeah, TikTok is is like this this discoverability layer where you're like you're matched with you know with your other hyper you know you know your hyper pop waffle people <laughs> and then and then you have like it, this like huge tool set um, that, that you can pull from to build your your hyper pop waffle palace.
1: This <laughs> sounds so good, actually. Like, I want IHOP. To <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I guess maybe. No, uh, no, 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 not IHOP. Um, uh, waffle House oh, to yeah. build of the course. hyperpop it's waffle house. It's yes. It's yes. It's um, yeah. I think. Uh, I guess I'm. I'm most familiar with uh, the music industry, but this very much is already happening. So, like TikTok. Um, actually, like every few months, every like six months like, Clockwork, this new article that comes out about how, like, TikTok is, like, the savior for discovery, but it's so hard to connect with actual fans. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of, like, a case in point of what you are talking about, of, Mm -hmm. like, um, TikTok really being, um, I think Spotify still plays this role, but kind of used to play that role primarily back in the day, um, of, like, really like having these great recommendation systems to make sure that your music is like reaching the right people Mm -hmm. but then um if you want to strengthen that connection from either side like an artist trying to um reach out to your fans or as a like budding fan trying to learn more about an artist um tiktok and spotify are not really made for that like yes you can dive into their backlog of videos or their backlog of songs on a streaming service. But if you're trying to like really enter their worlds in a more holistic sense, you do have to go, um, uh, off platform most Mm -hmm. of the time. Um, so yeah, like the funnel, it's definitely not one size fits all, but like just thinking about my like fan experience, it's it's very Mm -hmm. often like Spotify, um, maybe like on Instagram, which is like a yeah, obviously huge platform in general, but also for music. But then to like like what really seals the deal on trust is actually usually some kind of live event. Like it could Mm, be mm -hmm. like a show or um it could be like a live stream. Like like I think platforms like Twitch actually play a very important role or like live streams on TikTok. I think Mm -hmm. that's a big reason why a lot of people are leaning more into live. So um Yeah. So, so I think, I think that that segmentation of like the different roles, that different platforms play is already happening. So like TikTok, Spotify is for discovery. Um, but then both on like an emotional and a financial level, if you're trying to, um, build a more direct and intimate experience or world, uh, with like people who are more loyal, who like are bigger fans of your stuff, you do have to kind of build that separately. Yeah. Right
0: yeah i mean it's interesting and it it also feels like um i mean there there is kind of a a more more insidious element of of this in which in which like TikTok, uh you know all of these big platforms act have like have their you know their own financial interests um you know at play and they are acting as intermediaries that are 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 taking cuts and it there there isn't any transparency there's very little you know knowledge of like what's actually happening like to your data and and in, you know to be able like maybe there is uh an element of wanting to remove yourself from that system to build something that is more controlled without that that is more direct um which i guess is you know a big narrative and that's that exists in web theory like the you know the disintermediation the decentralization that that is possible and and like the composability of using using different tools to you know you know to satisfy your your use case um that's i mean that's an aside but coming back to tiktok because i have another tiktok question for you um i i you know coming back to what you said in in terms of like There there has always been this this kind of abstraction and and these gaps like like between the walled gardens um uh of places like TikTok and Spotify and Instagram where where you can't satisfy like everything that that you want to do as a fan. Um you have to like move move from step to step to um you, you know to go through the funnel, which creates a lot of friction and and like competing incentives again that are financial and like have to do with privacy across all of these huge tech platforms. Um, and specifically, you know, with music, something I think about a lot is is um the abstraction of context in a place, you know, like Spotify, where there's you know just the music. it's 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 purely consumption focused. Um Spotify doesn't care so much who you're listening to as long as you're listening. Um, and TikTok, of course, and Instagram provide you know like a social layer to it, but it is is removed. Um Now I'm curious about TikTok music and because this, this ostensibly brings these two things together, um, in, in a way that hasn't really been done before at like this, this level of scale with this many resources. And I'm curious just to hear your thoughts on like, is, is TikTok music going, going to, you know, be a Spotify killer, for instance?
1: Very interesting point or like entry point to think about in terms of context, because something that's definitely been true for Spotify's like viral 50 chart, or um, Mm -hmm. even like global 200 is that historically, meaning in the last like three to five years, a huge chunk of that has just been from TikTok's charts. Like if if you took the songs that went that was viral on TikTok, like Spotify would be, um, Spotify would be a lagging indicator of like what was happening Mm -hmm. on TikTok. So it totally Mm -hmm. makes sense that. Like TikTok would want to launch their own service and be like, why, why are we letting, um, someone else, uh, kind of like, be be the main like platform to display that activity, okay. um, in terms of whether it's going to be a Spotify killer, so with ByteDance as the parent company, I can definitely see TikTok Music, or other music initiatives they have. Being more successful in markets outside the U.S. and Europe, which are mm-hmm. becoming like much more influential culturally and also just have many more people, the the market for paid music streaming in like outside the U.S. and Europe is still very much like yet to be proven, though. Like especially in like Asia and Africa and mm-hmm. um, Latin America, like most people are not paying for music. They're mm-hmm. like like a, a much. Wider majority of people than in the USA are, are not paying for music mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, but like my dance already is like already very active in those areas, and I think has a maybe a deeper understanding of like consumer behavior um, in those markets, and I know Spotify has like kind of struggled to grow in all those areas too um, or like it's 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 growing like very incrementally, but um, just looking at their financial reports, like not as uh quickly as like one might expect or as they had forecasted so uh yeah so so from that angle like having a very international view on what is driving culture and having like a really solid handle on that I can actually see TikTok and my dance um like uh rivaling if not overtaking Spotify there mm-hmm. um yeah the the business case for like music streaming specifically is like a whole different uh question like I don't I'm not sure if TikTok music will like yeah bring in more paid subscribers than Spotify but um, they don't have to because Mm -hmm. (laughs) they are a much bigger company and so. And they also have like their own music distribution service too I think it's called SoundOn so like I think their goal is to uh, regardless of the margins position themselves as like the place you can go as an artist to uh, like get your music heard and released Mm -hmm and they mm-hmm. they yeah as you said they certainly have the resources to do that um in a way that spotify does not
0: yeah 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 i think that's 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 why i specifically mentioned spotify is like is this a spotify killer because it's becoming like increasingly difficult to see how they can hang around for another 5 to 10 years when they can't function as a loss leader in the same way that all of these other streaming platforms can um and and especially when you look at, at at like the market cap you know of something like spotify which is now i think i think like 25 30 billion i think currently versus versus like apple you know which is like over a trillion dollars and and it's these streaming platforms don't need to make money or even come close to it you know they're dropping the bucket and now with tiktok also entering the fray in like a more serious way and offering additional value in terms of the social elements as, as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of hard to see. I don't think Spotify is going to die tomorrow, but it's hard to see like, a you know, a viable path amidst this, these huge behemoth companies.
1: Yeah. And they, I guess they really leaned aggressively into podcasting to try to make it work, but they Mm -hmm. like. It's been fascinating to see them like lean very much away from that this year and try to uh-huh. go all in on music. But um, yeah, I would not rule out an exit. <laughs> I don't know who, yeah, but I know that's been, because it's just been so long, um, right. they've been around for so long and have only made or uh, registered a profit for like one quarter, I think, like early yeah. on. I know. Um, <laughs> there's definitely crazy. more conversation about that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other conversation talking about, you know, streaming as a business model. Um, but we can leave that alone for now and focus and focus on the music as Spotify has been doing this year, (laughs) and I would love to circle back and come back to you making music again and talk a little bit. We haven't touched on AI at all. Obviously that is a huge other thing that we don't really need to dive into because we could talk about that for a long time. I know it's, you know, a big focus of water music currently. But i'd love to talk about your your song egg roll (laughs) And, and if you could share just a little bit of context uh you know surrounding elf tech surrounding grimes uh you know some of the mechanics and reasons that this exists and how how it could potentially you know be a model for how artists are proactive around things like voice modeling and and some of the monetization potential that comes from using AI in this way and then just talk about, um, you know, the song, you know, like the creation of the song itself.
1: Yeah. Um, all very exciting stuff. So, uh, yeah. AI obviously is, um, probably the hottest topic right now in any culture industry, entertainment industry. Um, it poses super existential issues. I mean, yeah, definitely no surprise that it's like, the number one topic around like the writer's strike right now. So a lot of artists feeling, or like a lot of creative, creative professionals um, having very like existential discussions right now. Um, only a handful of artists have kind of, um, I think, I think are in a position and also have like the willingness and interest to kind of buck that trend by like leaning super into the technology and having just a much more open approach to just like people remixing their art um, and kind of like making derivatives of their art. And Grimes is certainly one of those artists. I mean, if you look at her, like history as an artist and how early relatively she uh, was like talking about blockchain also and like experimenting with like NFTs and other aspects of Web3. Mm-hmm. Um Uh, connection to Elon also of course having probably something to do with that (laughs) but just in general like her her ethos as an artist and like her persona is very very much like leaning into um, like the new tech and Mm -hmm. seeing it as like an aesthetic outlet so AI is definitely um, no exception so she um, and her management company which uh they also run their own kind of like software startup called CreateSafe. They built um a website called Elf Tech that allows anybody to transform any audio into um uh Grimes's voice for uh for free so today you can go to elf.tech, I believe is a site and um uh upload like you can. Upload this podcast recording and just have mm-hmm. Grimes talking to Grimes. Whoa,
0: that, that'd be <laughs> wild.
1: <laughs> that would be actually so funny. Yeah, but I, yeah. might,
0: I might have to do that. <laughs> I, I,
1: I think you could only upload um, like 30, se- 30 to sixty second chunks, so not oh, the whole okay. episode. But okay. I actually really want to hear
0: that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take thirty seconds, like a key, I, I, like the most quotable thing from this conversation. I'll put I'll put those quick like things.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so funny! Wow, didn't even think about that. Like before, but yes, <laughs> her management's tech company also like runs their own in-house uh, music distribution, and they also created their own system where you can submit any song that uses Grimes' AI voice for official like crediting of the Grimes AI artist on um, streaming services, and then um, they have an agreement where, and then if so, then if it's an officially vetted Grimes AI song. You could have it live on all DSPs officially um, where um, the master royalties uh, on the song are split 50 50 between um, the artist and Grimes. And also to be clear, there's like literally no standard for like how this works. I think Grimes is probably the only artist, especially of that stature to like set that precedent of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would love for you to make these songs. Just give me a cut of the revenue. Um, and, and then importantly, also people, I think the original, artist um owns the uh I believe they own the publishing so they can they own like the underlying song it's just that because, because Grimes's voice is in the recording they can right. do whatever they want with it. So super interesting model. Um how this relates to Egg Roll, the song that uh <laughs> <laughs> myself and my uh colleague and friend uh young Spielberg who is a music producer um how that came about. So um yeah, so Young and I, we were just in L.A. earlier in the year, um, and I, like, never really recorded anything in the proper studio environment before, so he was like, oh, let's, you know, stop by my studio, we'll, like, make something for fun. Hmm. Um, and there was some inside joke about egg rolls, like, there was an advertisement we passed by that had egg rolls on a plate looking like cigars, and we were <laughs> like, like, what is, like, what's going on? Like, I've never seen egg rolls go so hard uh in our <laughs> in our that's lives right so we made... i've
0: never seen egg rolls go so hard that's what's going through Alphatech. tech yeah <laughs> <Let me see.
1: laughs> yes um so we just made made a song for fun didn't even write the lyrics we just knew we wanted to like encapsulate the vibe of like of uh of that day of like hmm. seeing that egg roll ad but then we just we made it for fun and we didn't I don't think we plan on releasing it. It's just like sat on Young's hard drive. as just like a fun memento. Like, oh, mm-hmm. we like met up and made this song. A few months later, Grime's AI comes out, Elf Tech comes mm-hmm. out. Um, and Young immediately, like very much a producer's mind. He's like, mm-hmm. this is what's missing from the song. Like we mm-hmm. need like Your this. So, <laughs> so my voice, like my talking voice, which translates to singing a bit is definitely like a little bit deeper or like alto whereas like Grimes's voice is like much more higher pitched more mm-hmm. uh like feminine and kind of airy and um yeah it's just it's it like all happened so fast young was like we need Grimes and then he like wrote out a whole like verse and chorus like multiple verses like for the song um i guess like having that voice in his head he wrote out like all the lyrics for the song basically just, like, in one go, and he's like, all right, Sherry, can you, like, record these, these lyrics and I'll um, translate them into Grimes' voice and we'll see what happens. And it just ended up being, like, a very good, very kind of tongue in cheek fit. I guess, importantly, I, I realized after the song came out, um, a lot of people assumed that because it had Grimes' AI as the featured artist, and we were talking about it a little bit as an AI track, a lot of people had the assumption that we kind of just clicked a button and made the song. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it, you know, like, like you know, kind of a one-click house banger that happened to have right. Grimes' voice on it. Whereas in Sorry. reality, it very much was, like, still a traditional production process. Like, mm-hmm. the only role that AI played was in transforming my voice into Grimes' voice. Mm-hmm. But then Young still was working in a traditional Daw, like, laying down all the instrumentation. Like, that was still him with feedback from me and, like, still very much a back-and-forth Mm-hmm. Traditional process in that sense, um, but yeah. So then we we made the song, submitted it through the portal. Yeah, um, we heard back from their management very quickly, actually, which is like a good sign that they're very actively like scouring through. They must have gotten like hundreds, if not thousands, of submissions at this point. Yeah, so we heard back from them being like, "This is amazing." <laughs>
0: oh, awesome! Were they like, "I've never seen Aggro's go so hard"? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, they. <laughs> that that's the tagline now that that's the tagline now no I think what's also um even like even like processing the whole experience now what I love about the experience and what I'd like to see more of in terms of like the underlying spirit in AI creation is that like grimes would never make a slap house song let alone mm. one about egg rolls i don't think <laughs> like her <laughs> yeah. aesthetic is like very different yeah. um and so but like i guess the very specific like taste of young and myself kind of like led to this song that was able to be uniquely created and like uniquely mm. living in this world thanks to voice ai specifically um yep. so yeah that that was definitely part of the conversation like oh this is like so different but uh like would still love to have this be part of the Grimes like creative ecosystem. So yeah. uh yeah. So we went through the yeah, traditional kind of release process for that. Um it came out on June 30th. And we're I'm actually in the middle of like uh like a a more standard process of like trying to build out a marketing strategy for the song. Like
0: oh, cool. what's the
1: what's the TikTok challenge? Speaking of TikTok. Mm. <laughs> um I've started like uh just for fun making my own like egg roll review sheet. So like touring egg rolls in New York City, like trying <laughs> to think about videos for that. So I'm in that. I'm in that hustle now.
0: <laughs> oh I can't wait to see yeah. that manifest. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, there's so many things that you can do with egg rolls. Um I, I also thought that's it's a really interesting point thinking about like not something I'd really thought about, like, but your Your comment about uh, people just thinking this was like, you know, a one click banger and thinking about like consumer expectations, just knowing that AI exists or knowing that AI was somehow involved in the creation of the song, all of a sudden it kind of obfuscates any effort that the artists do put in, in a way that is, is, is kind of strange. I'm curious to see how that changes or evolves as people get more and more used to the idea of AI being part of. I, I guess, in kind of music creation
1: yeah,, uh, a few thoughts, so I think that the um what's the name? Heart on my sleeve, like the big deep fake Drake song Mm-mm. by ghostwriter, um I'm pretty sure was a similar situation where people uh talked about it as an AI song, um, not knowing that uh. I'm 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 pretty sure like AI only played the role in like the vocal transformation layer. But mm-hmm. like, you know, you still had to like lay down a beat, like master it properly. Like it was it was a pretty like well produced song.
0: Totally. I think,
1: uh by all standards. So um yeah, so already around like kind of the mainstream deep fake conversation, there's there's that like gap between expectation and reality about how much can actually be automated. Um mm-hmm. It is moving really fast. Like in the last few weeks like just this week, as of recording this, Meta released officially released a whole suite of audio AI generation tools that are actually really good. I think they're maybe even a little better than the model that Google released mm. just like a few months ago. So mm-hmm. it's it's like the momentum is growing, but it's certainly not at the level of like one click being able to generate like clean right. audio by by any means. We're very far from that. So it's, that's an important point. Um, and then. I guess second point is, is more general. Um I realize like a lot of like so not even thinking about AI, I feel like um a lot of people might not even be aware of like the whole um machine that goes behind making a song anyway. Like mm-hmm. like like I I feel mm-hmm. like the the concept of um the concept of crediting songwriters properly on streaming services is only like <laughs> a few years old at most and even, even then,
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> and even then, I don't know, like a lot of the data is really messy or mm-hmm. like songwriters don't actually like have pages on streaming services. Um, and with, with like a very small number of exceptions that there very much is this idea of the, like, like the, the, the singular celebrity, like the artist. Right like that is driving everything. at all. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, without any awareness of like the huge number of like producers, songwriters, engineers that might be working behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I don't know if this AI movement will like make that worse or better in terms of like people's uh, awareness of the, just the, um, like the, all the different kinds of roles that you could play in a more standard, like music creation process and how that mm-hmm. collapses. Um, if at all. With like truly generative AI, um, right. yeah, it remains to be seen. But that like that that's always been like a cultural gap of like, um, like the vast majority of people just not being aware in mm-hmm. the first place of what's involved.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that that's that's kind of true across like like the entirety of the music industry. Like the way that that the economics work, the way that music making works. It's like, there's people just want to focus on like the music and the artist, the star, and not think about everything yeah. else, even though it's pretty, it's pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we go, I still want to hear about this new, new foray that, that you're, you're embarking upon this like new, n- new DJing journey and, and hear like where you're at, what your goals are with, with that.
1: Oh yeah. I, um, Let's see where to start. So I, as a fan, I love um, going to just like electronic shows in general. And I like, I really, really appreciate like a really well thought out mix or set. And I've definitely like, I feel like I um, came of age and part of my like coming of age process in the music industry or growth experience on the side that's more for fun is definitely spending like uh like five six hours just like on the dance floor just like you know appreciating like a very good mix. like those have been like some of my favorite shows i've been to yeah it's just how how my brain um like reacts to music is just like very very sensitive and like reacts in a very like positive way to um especially interesting like uh I guess like harmonic or rhythmic changes over time. So just, I guess in short, I've always um, like wanted to play that role um, as a DJ. uh, And I guess as like a curator at large, but never. And so I, I have a Spotify playlist called DJ set material. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just like didn't use for years, but I filled it with like it has over like seven hundred songs now.
0: Nice. <laughs> I'm, like i would well, I would material. love to put this
1: <laughs> I would love to put this in a in a set if i mm-hmm. if I had the chance, but yeah, I don't know it, it was just a mental barrier that um was temporary, but like maybe because like the equipment seemed too like esoteric, I didn't know how to use it, I just like never made the jump what convinced me was actually um NYC uh this year this was in april 2023 i had a friend um reach out and be like oh do you want uh, i'm looking for someone to just help dj this like brand activation event for the first Mm -hmm. hour do you want to come and i was like yes let's do it (laughs) like but i was like if not now then never (laughs) Uh, yeah not now then when (laughs) um so yeah that was in april and then um since then i've like uh dj'd mostly just for friends though like Mm -hmm. for an audience of maximum like 10 people just like in a kickback or something um but i am um i am going to do my first paid gig
0: what end of
1: august i don't know if this is i don't know (laughs) if this will be out by then um but, try to make it
0: happen. We can, we can try to promote it. <laughs> we <so>. can promo. <laughs> I'm going
1: to be DJing the closing um, of uh, the Mutech Forum. Wow. So uh, in awesome. Montreal. <laughs> cool. Which is like more, I guess, the conference workshop side of the festival. Uh, yeah, I'll just do like a happy hour. I'm going to play some upbeat house disco type stuff, which should be should be fun. yeah Yeah. I uh yeah so it's it's progressing it's progressing but I mean I I'm purely in it just for like the musical pleasure of just like Mm -hmm. trying to map out a mix seeing which songs again especially like which songs blend together in ways that people might not expect and kind of like opening up their minds that way I'm very excited by that so
0: yeah yeah totally I love that wish I could be there. Um,
1: I will post videos probably. <laughs> okay,
0: cool. Please do. Yes. Um yeah, before before I ask, you know, this last question that I ask everybody at the end of these, I, I just will also I, yeah, I'd written a note. I was rereading uh in you know our last interview before this, and and you had mentioned um that you know a lot of the piano players that you really fell in love with and, and that that were inspiring you as a young pianist. Um, just, just had this really nice convergence of, of, of like expression with, with also technical skill and, and, and this kind of like cross section, this, this convergence of being able to capture, being able to capture the technical and the expressive side of things is something that, that I think water and music does like, like incredibly well. And it's sort of the sweet spot of like what should be happening you know i guess across music tech but isn't able to like oftentimes the expression just isn't there like we're not enabling this expression the expressive side of it um so i just wanted to leave that out there because it just kind of felt like this nice encompassing metaphor for for like what you do and like where we should be trying to go is like you know walk this tightrope between between those two things um thank you so much that's great yeah, no yeah. no mean thank you. You're the one who you know who actually provided the metaphor so <laughs> um, All right, last question for you. You're going to a desert island. you get to bring three records with you. What are they?
1: Ooh Three records. Oh gosh. Um, okay i'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rattle them off like if i if i were flown to desert island today okay um uh mordecai by crumbin um will be one of them that definitely uh they're definitely one of my favorite bands and that album is just like every time i listen through it no skips it's just like it's just like a balm like a very musical balm over my brain so to calm down
0: mm-hmm.
1: listen to that album dance case um, Renata, 99.9% nice um, like modern like definition of modern classic dance album so dance and then to like reminisce on um, reminisce on my life <laughs> uh, probably the Beatles 1 album Wow. So I, I cool. realized like, I don't know if this is a common experience growing up, but from when I was like three years old to like three to six, I only really grew up around like listening to the same five albums over and over again. I think mm-hmm. also because of like my parents <laughs> yeah. and like what they listened to. And one of them was the Beatles one album, like long car rides. We'd always uh just like play that on loop. So very, very special place. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was that was one of if I were to pick the whatever four or five albums that I heard from the ages of like three to six, it was also that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like like to the so point funny. when I still hear like like something like Eleanor Rigby or something, I still expect. I think it. I think it goes into Penny Lane maybe after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I still expect to hear Penny Lane after that song ends, and um, that's cool. That's cool. I haven't thought about one that's in a so while. <laughs> It's good it, it actually took a while for me to explore beyond uh you know beyond one obviously like there there's a lot of music i it took made.
1: i did not know they had more albums yeah. until like way too late and it was when <laughs> yeah. i was talking to like one of my friends who's like a very like i think she mentioned the white album and i was like what's mm-hmm. that yeah just she
0: like sherry <laughs> so yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. the white album i don't think has any songs that are on one which is interesting they didn't have any number one hits off of that record even though it's 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 pretty packed full of jams yeah cool sherry well this has been great thank you so much for your time and your thoughts and and all of your wisdom um for people who want to to follow along or get involved with what you're doing where where where's the best place for them to do that
1: yeah thank you again for having me um you can follow everything we're doing with water music on Twitter and Instagram water underscore and underscore music and spell out spelled out is our handle. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Sherry 42. Um, and you should sign up for our newsletter. There's, there should be a form like right at the top of our site, uh, where you can sign up.
0: Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, awesome. Well, thanks again, Sherry and you know, talk to you soon. Be well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You too. Thanks. All
0: right. Uh, that's it for this episode of big brother in the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web3 music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media, and you can visit us at Decentral.io, and remember, only you can prevent and fend off. Big Brother.